welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma, and the Pro Football Radio Senior Contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge. Fellas, welcome in. Happy post-Super Bowl podcast. What's yep. happening? Wow. Um... I I know I said it last week and I even tweeted about it last night after the game and uh, I'm still I'm still amazed I'm amazed that we got here and we got here on time and it, it wasn't pretty but I mean the NFL with its damn the torpedoes approach mm-hmm. um, they they got the full season in they got the Super Bowl on time um, you know I test wise probably wasn't the most appealing game to watch but like at the end of the day. Like, we were able to see a Super Bowl in, you know, the COVID pandemic era, let's call it. So, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with, with what they put out there for a product this year. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something, something because, I mean, I know for me personally, at various points throughout the season, I'm like, oh boy, this season's in jeopardy. You know, you get the domino effect of all these positive tests, and, and they made it happen, and they made it happen during one of the worst surges of the pandemic. So, you know, hats off to them for getting it done. And, you know, finishing their season and allowing us to have a champion crown. Of course. Yeah, man, you guys make good points. And, and I think one of the pregame shows had uh, President Biden on. That essentially, he said next year's Super Bowl, we expect to have a, a full crowd. I mean, everything that's coming out from the government, it seems like by the end of uh, the summer or even end of the fall, we should be all happily vaccinated back to our normal life. So let's hope so, man. Uh, I always say the NFL they're not they're, they're one one of those leagues that no matter what no matter what they can do they'll do to make sure they make a buck so i mean i'm, I'm here I'm, I'm here for it so i'm, I'm happy <laughs> they got the uh, the super bowl off and uh off and running but but listen i've always said this and i'll and i'll make this quick and we'll get into the, the super bowl analysis itself but i've always said that the monday after the super bowl should be a national holiday oh, like, yeah. I, I don't know why they're forcing us all to like go to work and do some of the bullshit but like I feel like the next politician running, the next president running should run on a platform of, hey, listen, I'll make the day after the Super Bowl a national holiday, and I feel like he would win. <laughs> Portnoy 2024. Listen, well, you I'm know. That's what I'm saying. You, get, you, you, did, you take the, the hangover, you know, you take a day off from work, you get the hangover good, you get reacclimated with your wife because you've been gone for so many months because of the NFL season. I feel like it would be the perfect way to just get back to normal society after the NFL season has gone away. <laughs> Let's just trade Columbus Day for it. I'd be all in on that. It's not even that. I think, like, if the NFL and the, the NFLPA has to agree to this, of course, but I think if they either added an extra game or it might be if they added uh, two extra games they had, like, a Week 18, um, that would actually bring them up to that holiday weekend where mm-hmm. you would have that Monday off. Yep. So yep. Um, that's, not, that's yeah. not too far from the realm of possibility. And I, like, at some point... Like, I think they're going to have to modify the CBA and be like, listen, we're going to keep the cap as close to, you know, normal as possible this year. But like the next couple of years, like we have to get, you know, we have to get additional revenue to, to fill the cap void. So here's here's how we're going to do that. I think at some point the PA is going to have to get in bed with that. And if a concession is we'll have like Monday night double headers instead of Thursday night football, I would totally I, I as a fan would be for that. And I think maybe from a player's safety perspective, that might make a little bit more sense too. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, it's not. 
whatever they got to do to make it happen, I'm all here for it. You know, think about it today, Puma. You could get reacquainted with Tara, right? Virgin get reacquainted with Chantel. No, the, the job would get in the way of that. <laughs> uh, my employer does not know what holiday, holidays are, are yep. new to us. Um, right I never, there we never you. heard of her. <laughs> right there with you, Puma. <laughs> you know, and Virgin can get reacquainted with Chantel and the baby, and I could fire up the old Tinder app again, you know? It's just it's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. You make it sound like we're coming out of Jumanji, like Robin Williams, and we have, like, full beard and banana leaves, and we're like, what year is it? Listen, what happened? Listen, I've, I've, I got into a really bad, bad cycle, um, you know, I, I've, I've been like most people that are listening, if they know, you know, I've been furloughed since like late November ish. And I've just been doing nothing but watching nonstop football coverage. I'm, I'm watching all the shows, listen to all the, listen to all the radio shows. I'm watching like, you know, NFL Network 24 seven. Like I need, I do need a break from all this. Like I'm kind of relieved in a way the football season is about to end. So it's, it's, it's already ended. So I'm kind of looking to doing something else besides watching football all day. <laughs> Time to get on the Blue Jackets bandwagon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> all right, let's talk some football action. So last night, um, the Super Bowl 55 um, winners, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, essentially put a beat down on the Kansas City Chiefs. 31-9 was the final score. We all didn't expect this game to go this way. We thought it was going to be a closer game. A lot of people had the Chiefs winning. So with it being a 31-9 blowout, it was kind of shocking to all of us. So let me turn over the floor to, uh, to Puma and Burge and get their analysis on what their reaction was um, with, with the Super Bowl last night. So guys, take it away. I mean, I think, you know, we, us as well as like the rest of the, the listening audience and football fans around the country and the planet were, were watching the game. And even going into the fourth quarter, I think everyone to a man and to a woman would say, the Chiefs are not out of this. Like, they are right where they want to be. They've always kind of, you know, come from behind and, and, and made the valiant comeback. And they it, it, it didn't look that way. Like, they, they looked flat from the jump. Um, you know, we can say what we want about the referees. I'm sure we're going to get to that at some point in the podcast. But, I mean, referees aside, like, this team was outcoached. Uh, they looked flat at times on the offense. The defensive side of the football, I was surprised – a Spagnolo coach defense looked as flat as it did. Um, they were very, it was very lazy football, in my opinion. Um, and let's give credit where credit's due. Todd Bowles called a masterful game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the defensive side of the football. Um, I said it last night, this would never happen, but if you could give a coach an MVP award, it should have been Todd Bowles and it wouldn't have been close. Uh, we were kind of burying him as a defensive coordinator at times this year. And he really showed massive amounts of improvement uh, during the playoffs. And I mean, I said this in our group chat, this might've been like out of all the quarterbacks that the Buccaneers have faced, let's be honest, Tyler, uh, Taylor Heineke might've been the best quarterback that this team has faced all year. Like Patrick Mahomes looked in up behind that offensive line that was banged up. The turf toe really reared its ugly head in this game. And they just they just didn't show up tonight. They 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 just did they laid an egg. And I was surprised, but as a better that took the under and the Buccaneers plus the points, I was uh, having a happy day at the house. So, you know, good game. I didn't mind it, but not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, right there with you on that. I mean, I completely did not expect a blowout in the Super Bowl. I, you know, I going up to the matchup, I was, I was excited to see kind of the old guard and Brady 
you know, facing Patrick Mahomes in this kind of this duel. And it was not that from essentially the beginning. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, they, they looked like they were lost the entire game. Uh, you had you had their punter shank out of his foot multiple times, dropping the snap. I mean, you could just see it, it going to be their day. Uh, you get Brady a short field on bad punts, he's going to make you pay every time. And you could – they definitely got outcoached in this game uh, by far every asset of the game, offense, defense, special teams. I, I thought that um, Kansas city's defense, I didn't know what their plan was. I like you better game Spagnolo against Brady. Cause Spagnolo has had some success against Brady in the past. And they just, they, they didn't have it on defense planned. They, they were losing their heads throughout the entire, um, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I personally didn't think he played that bad of a game. He just, he had no time. His offensive line was atrocious. They, the injuries and opt-outs on that offensive line were front and center in this game. Um, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I, you guys saw it, that ridiculous fourth down throw where he's parallel to the ground, mm-hmm. throws it to the end zone, it hits the guy in the hands and he drops it, or in his head and he dropped it. Like, he did everything he could. The turf toe was definitely noticeable, though. You could see when he was running around out there, you could see he was a little bit limping and, and kind of favoring that, that toe. Um, you know, and like you, Puma, I would have given the MVP if I could to Todd Bowles. The defensive game plan that they had for this Chiefs team might be, might, probably was the best defensive game plan, um, you know, the Chiefs have faced, um, you know, as long as Mahomes has been there. Um, so, you know, it was a great, uh, you know, great performance all around from Tampa Bay. I'll, I'll take my L about Brady here. Like, he went out. He was damn near perfect in this game. You could see the Bronk, uh, Gronk-Brady connection, um, you know, and he deserved he deserved to win this game, and no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'm going to say is, for me, I felt where I felt this game was over was the last drive of the half with, like, what was it, like 40 seconds left. I think the uh, – the Chiefs had just gone down, kicked a field goal, and left about, I don't know, less than a minute on the clock. And for some reason, Andy Reid was taking timeouts when Tampa Bay had one left. And, you know, given the way his defense had been playing, I don't know if he was trying to spark his spark his team, but you can't give Brady extra timeouts. He's going to make you pay for it every time. It was the same thing that you saw at the end of the Packers game at the end of the half. They made him pay, and at that point I was like, this is over. You know, you don't even need to watch the second half. You know, hats off to Brady. Congrats to him. Seven rings. Dude, best athlete ever in all four sports, you know, winning. And, you know, I'm happy for him. And, you know, we'll see what he does next year. I mean, they, this team could be right back in it again next year. Yeah, listen, I agree with most of your guys' sentiments. And I, I believe this, you know, if you could give co-MVPs, you know, I would give it to one of the guys on the defense as well because that defense was the story of the game. They did they just absolutely shut down the Kansas City Chiefs and a lot of it was on Todd Bowles and his scheme. You know, essentially he learned from the game that they had back in November where, you know, he was playing man across the board, which is not something you want to do with this Kansas City Chiefs team. They played a lot of cover two. They blitzed four. Uh, uh, they, I'm sorry, they got pressure with four. They didn't blitz as much as I thought they would. And then they dropped back in zone underneath to try to take away everything away from the underneath routes with Kelsey and those guys. Um, you know, I, I do agree that most of it was Todd Bowles in the defense, but I also believe Mahomes didn't have his best game. I, I think he was shaky at times in the beginning of the game. 
Um, a lot, you know, a lot of throws in the beginning of the game, they were just off a little bit. They were a little bit hurried. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed. He just never really got back on track. Um, you know, I, I find it fascinating that you have those plethora of receivers that are super fast that can, like, get into those zones and settle down. Um, I just find it funny that they couldn't hit that um, as much as possible, as, uh, as more times than they, than they did last night. So um, a lot of it is on Todd Bowles, but I do believe the Patrick Holmes had one of his worst games, uh, probably the worst time to have a bad game. Um, but after all, he is human, right? On the other end, the Bucks' offense was just humming, man. Uh, very efficient. It looked like an old Patriots, like 2003, 2004 mm-hmm. Tom Brady offense. Um, didn't do much, took what the defense um, gave him and kind of just moved the ball downfield and, and was very methodical about it. Uh, I, I think the one thing that I do want to point out is you really saw the difference between a seasoned chess master at quarterback at, in Tom Brady and a young, essentially, you know, up-and-coming player in Patrick Mahomes because Pat was trying to force a lot of things that um, were, wasn't there. Uh, I mean, when you're playing cover two, got to run the ball and essentially get them to drop that safety down, and then maybe you have that deep throw. He wasn't taking the defense was given him and that's something down the road he has to get better at don't don't say that he had the worst game of his career jay because you'll you'll have his, his wife and his and his mother after <laughs> you in your mentions you know i'll say my I, god i think that might be like you know x's and o's aside like the mahomes family short of his old man might be the most unbearable mm-hmm family like in football like yeah. i i never thought i would say this like at this point three years into Mahomes' career I, I might take the manning family and like the bad jokes and the idiotic <laughs> commercials and the stupid ass you know archie manning the the patriarch of the family that that organized the the trade of eli manning on draft day i i would take that in a cocaine heartbeat over the, the Mahomes family like his mom and his his wife were just Completely unbearable on Twitter and and uh, last night after the game. The worst part is they his had... brother didn't get involved in the action last night. <laughs> no. Oh, they they kind of remind me of like Levar Ball with his kids in the NBA. Like <laughs> that's a good way of putting. Like, that's it. a fair just, comp. They, yep. Uh, they they just shoot their mouths off all the time, and they're the most annoying people in the world. Like I saw a tweet from her, like when Patrick Mahomes, like they, they I think ESPN Sports Center tweeted out a picture. Yeah, of an action, they, a reaction you know, shot. Yeah, and it's just like, like, dude, just go away, like. Nobody cares about who you are. The only reason you are relevant is because you're married to one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, yeah. if it was like an image of Tom Brady looking like, you know, oh, lost yeah. Florida man in Chicago, like, yep. she would have been laughing her ass off. Like, yep. just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Your man's lost on national television. <laughs> like, just take, just take the, the L. L. Like, take the L. Like, he had a bad game. He had a bad game. The coaching staff didn't show up. You can say what you want about the referees, the the Andy Reid son fiasco well, that clearly we'll had to, an effect on the coaching too. Like there's just so many things that happened. We'll get to all that in a second. And, and Burge, I want to hit on your referee angle on this game last night. Do you believe those penalties that are thrown against the Chiefs were a either unfair, or do you think that was the main reason they lost, or one, one of the reasons why they lost? What was like? What we, what, what's the point so, trying so, to make so with the flags? Take a, the, the flags like. They're penalties. I'm not going to, to dispute that. I felt that they were a little ticky-tacky to be called the way some of these playoff games have been called um, throughout the uh, throughout the playoffs this year. And, you know, Tony Romo mentioned it as well, and same that the guys in the halftime show, or the halftime report. 
Like, it just seemed ticky-tacky, and they were getting too involved, uh, you know, early on. They, they swallowed the whistles more for the most part in the second half, uh, which I thought was great, you know, fine, just let them play. Um, but it just, it just, it just seemed like they were just trying to get, get involved. And for me personally, I would rather, I would rather see a game officiated like we saw, uh, in the NFC championship game between the Packers and the Bucks, where they kind of swallow the whistles. They let them go at it. Egregious things will be called and you know, the ticky tacky stuff they let go. Yeah. So my take on the referees and, you know, credit to Jonathan Jones of CBS at J Jones nine on Twitter and a couple other folks like they actually this is like the wonders of sports during a quarantine because we all have nothing but free time on our hands. Um, (laughs) They they dove deep into this referee crew and the Kansas City Chiefs as a whole, even going back the last three years and the head referee in this crew uh, anchored by Carl Schaefer's. Uh, This crew led the NFL in flags thrown at 16 per game. Carl called two Kansas City games this year, and each game was 10-plus penalties. The Chiefs, you know, I know it's not ideal because it's coming to light on the Super Bowl, but the fact of the matter is is the Kansas City Chiefs are the second-most penalized team in the NFL behind the Jacksonville Jaguars over the last three years. And, you know, let's say what we want. I know we kind of talked about this after the Chicago game on the podcast. But, you know, after that fiasco uh, in Chicago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were one of the least penalized teams moving forward. And during the entire season, they averaged about 20th in penalty rankings. They were just below the league average. So this this was really just the, the bird coming home to roost for Kansas City. They like to play aggressive on defense. Nobody's disputing that. So does the Baltimore Ravens. But with this referee crew and the coaching staff should have known better, you know, with the week off that this is the crew that you're getting. You need to coach your players up and make them understand that this crew is going to throw the flag if they see a hold. Like it, it is what it is. You're like, be aggressive, but be smart. I think um, uh, one of the, the field reporters, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, she even said that coming out of halftime. Like, they said that to the players, and Tyron Matthew was having a meltdown on the sidelines. Like, you need to be aggressive, but you need to be smart and stop taking these stupid penalties. And they got called. They got called every time, and we can all agree that they were all penalties, but we just don't like the fact that it came to light during the Super Bowl. No, no, I, I agree with you there. And, you know, for me, it's – it's I, I wouldn't want the NFL to put a crew that throws the most flags in, in a Super Bowl – matchup that's just that's just me as a fan just the way i like the game to be played i don't like the referees being front and center especially in in as big of a game as was yesterday with the super bowl i just i have i'm not disputing the fact that that they were penalties i were very ticky tacky and you know you're not about the chiefs they should have known that going into it that's on the coaching staff that they need to you know cool it you know with the aggressiveness a little bit because they know they're going to get flagged for it but at the same time, on that defense, you can't, you can't like melt down the way that they did. Like, they just, they just showed that they had no discipline or like mental toughness in that first half. They just, they just completely broke down, and you know, it, that's on the players and the coaches to not, to not move that forward. Yeah, Burge, that's a great point. Like, I do believe there's something to be said where I don't remember the last time I've seen the Kansas City Chiefs, well, this iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek and Travis. I don't think I've seen them get punched in the mouth 
before. And, and I think this is the, the hardest that they've gotten punched in the mouth, and it took them out of their game a little bit. I don't want to call them soft, um, but I just don't think they had the mental acuity I thought they would have, right? Um, the one thing that's underrated about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is they are a pads-popping team. They're, they're going to come and pop uh-huh. those pads. They're going to put them into your ribs and hit you as hard as possible. And, and I do believe that they, they hit that first wave coming out in the first and second quarters, and then they just kind of they just never adjusted to it. They never adjusted the physicality of the game. No, I mean, you could see it on, like, especially, like, Travis Kelsey, for me, watching this game, was was front and center with um, the imagery of how the mentality of the Kansas City Chiefs was the entire game. Every time, like, he had a bad drop or he got hit and didn't catch the ball, you could just see it on his face. He looked like he was defeated, like they had no answer and that they were just they were just turtling at that point. And, and he was hearing footsteps. He was hearing footsteps oh, yeah. on a couple of those drops, too. He, those 100%. might have been some business and, decisions at times. It very well could have, and, you know, that's that's on him, and, you know, that's why, like, if you want to talk about the best tight end of all time, he's in second behind, you know, at the highest second behind Gronk. I don't think anybody touches Gronk. And he proved that again in the Super Bowl here. Gronk looked good last night. He had two touchdowns, and it looks like the season's ending, but he finally was getting into that stride because on that second touchdown, he actually beat a cornerback, uh, a DB on, on that touchdown. So he's starting to look like mm-hmm. he was getting into into his old form again. But this team is going to be absolutely special going forward. The last thing I want to hit on is, you know, what do you guys think was – was? well, let me back up real quick and give the, uh, the audience a quick rundown of what happened on Friday. So Friday uh, afternoon, there was a report that came out that – uh, Eric, I'm sorry, Andy Reid's son, Britt Reid, who is an assistant coach on the Kansas City staff, uh, essentially uh, hit somebody that, on the highway with his car. Uh, one of the persons that was in that accident um, is in critical condition as a five-year-old girl. Um, looks like the report says that there was both alcohol and some sort of drugs in the system. So do you guys think that had some sort of negative effect on the game planning or just the energy in, in general going into this game? I mean, it shouldn't have. I mean, these guys I mean, are professional I... athletes. Right. So, I mean, we, can, we can try I mean, to be professional I... athletes, but they're all human at the end of the day, right? Andy Reid will go to sleep on Friday night thinking about his son, thinking about, oh, shit, is he going to jail for a long time? You know, how is that girl doing? She's on she's in critical condition, right? And, you know, we wish that our athletes were robotic, but they're not, right? I mean, there, there's definitely some issues there with, with the human aspect of things. I mean, maybe yeah, for him, I mean, I think... you know, it affected him, but... It, it, for that to trickle down to the best players on this team, like the players should have said, let's rally behind our coach. Like, you know, he's hurting. Let's, let's rally behind him and get him this win mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think it did. I, I, I want to say it's like the whole reason why, like the wheels fell off, you know, the bus, the entire game. But, you know, I, I think we wouldn't be accurate in saying like it did have an effect. I mean, there were even reports coming out that they didn't even know if Andy Reid was going to make the trip. So, like, if you hear that as a player, that, like, the kind of the rock of the team might not make the trip and, you know, who's actually going to be not calling the plays. Like, I'm not going to take shots at Eric Bieniemy. He does, I, I personally think he does have involvement in the offense. But, like, who's actually going to be the, the coach to fill in if that's the case? Like, you know, that's a lot to kind of take in and process, you know, 48 hours before kickoff. Uh, in a, you know, truncated, you know, Super Bowl week and everything like that. So I think it did have an effect, but I wouldn't say it was the main reason why. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs seem to to uh, have their issues in the week leading up to the, the Super Bowl anyways. I mean, they're having a barber come to them for their haircuts, and the guy tests positive for COVID. And, yeah. 
you know, all of a sudden you're dealing with the, you know, you're dealing with that. So there's another distraction. You didn't hear boo out of Tampa Bay. You know, they seem to have their heads down just going, you know, going about their business. And, you know, you hear all these negative things coming out about Kansas City. I mean, there's definitely a chance that this played into it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it showed on Sunday. Yep. Yeah. And I'll say this, too. I might have been off on the timeline, but Kansas City, this this game, in my opinion, kind of encapsulates how they move through the entire 2020 NFL season like they were kind of lackadaisical at times they were flat at times they they didn't play up to their levels they they almost let teams that had no business beating them you know win the game like the Atlanta Falcons week 16 you know I thought that was going to show up against Buffalo I was wrong but I mean let's call it for what it is like they've kind of been coasting the entire season and that bird came home to roost on Sunday yeah, I'm just you know saying, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I just I just couldn't believe with just how how ill prepared they looked, right? You know, coming out, I understand that you want to run a game plan, but once the defense gives you something, you've got to adjust on the fly. And I was kind of disappointed in Eric Bieni and Andy Reid not uh, not taking what the defense gave them. Um, they're just going for that long ball every single time, just trying to get that ball downfield. And it's just disappointing to see that somebody as seasoned as Andy Reid just couldn't figure out that and adjust on the fly. It's almost yeah, like everybody showed up thinking they were going to win. Exactly. You know what You're I mean? Right. You're right. That's a good way of putting it. They yep. thought they're going to roll out their helmets, roll out the Kansas City Chiefs logo, put the jerseys yep. on, and they're going to score We're going to have my points. idiot brother do a TikTok dance in the, the, the fucking box seats. Yep, we're going to mm-hmm. win. We're going to mm-hmm. yell, we got the right to party. Like, yeah. I'm no. just – for, for me, the biggest thing for their offense in this game was their lack of commitment to the run. Uh, yep. You know, even early on, like – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire averaged 70 yards a carry when they gave him the ball in this game. You know, they were clear, Tampa Bay, rightfully so, was clearly defending the mm-hmm. uh, the passing, the, the quick attack from this offense. I mean, Travis Kelsey still had over 100 yards and 10 catches in this game, and Tyreek Hill had 7 for 73, albeit most of that came in garbage time. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, when they gave him the ball, he was ripping off runs like you wouldn't even believe. I wish that they had, they had, had more balance on offense – and I think that this game would have been closer. Again, for me, you know, I wanted a close battle in this game, a close fight, maybe come down to the last drive. And, you know, they run the ball in this game, and maybe it gives Patrick Mahomes a little bit more time to throw. I mean, not, not much because, I mean, Todd Bowles was rushing four guys the most of the game, and the tackles for Kansas City were just, it seemed like every play where they were just having one guy, at least one guy, if not two, through the line immediately. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, uncharacteristically running backwards trying to, to buy time and mm-hmm. they run the ball. Maybe it opens it up a little bit. And yeah. you know, that was one of the, my takeaways. Well, from the game. A, a subtle thing here is Vita Vey, he came back and, and I think he was key, man. Cause well, first of all, it's a, it's absolutely amazing that he tore, he broke his ankle, I believe in the yeah. Chicago game. And he was out there for Super Bowl. but essentially him coming back, pushed that pocket backwards. And what trap, what uh, Patrick Mahomes loves doing is he loves rolling back and to his right, he loves taking those twelve steps back, getting that time, and throwing it downfield. Um, they weren't; they, they were essentially moving the pocket as a defensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into that new spot that Patrick Mahomes was going to be in, right? Um, and, and it's just funny that something as simple as that can throw him off his game, and it, and it's simple as simple as something as simple as you know stepping up into the pocket where there is that open spot to throw the football um, is something that the Kansas City Chiefs just couldn't do. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes. I mean. 
again, outside of, you know, when he's running around 30, 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, he was moving around, you know, given his injury in that pocket, trying to find the space, you know, relatively, not Patrick Mahomes-esque, but, like, he, he was avoiding the pressure as best as, as best that he could, given the protection that he had. And, you know, he was getting out, he was making throws, there were drops, some of his throws were off. And, you know, obviously when he was running around out there, you saw the visible limp in his foot. So, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to blast Patrick Mahomes for his performance in this game. It was definitely uh, one of his bat, one of his, you know, worst games that, you know, I've seen him play. But, I mean, given what he had to deal with um, in terms of what that Tampa Bay defense did, I thought he did okay at least getting rid of the ball and getting it, getting his receivers a chance to make plays. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, any uh, any final uh, points you guys want to hit on in the Super Bowl before we move off of it? I mean, not really a point on the Super Bowl, but I guess we can call it like an early look ahead. I mean... Well, before we get to that, let's talk about the halftime show. What was your guys' thought on oh the halftime God. show? Underwhelming. <laughs> I right. didn't really care. Like, yeah. I didn't want... Like, it was on in the background. Like, the audio was off. Like, they... I don't know how you can have a Super Bowl halftime show and still somehow botch the audio, but I mean... I think Burge, um, Chantel put this out on Twitter that, like, it was bad, but, like, because we're so deprived yeah. of, like, entertainment, like, this might actually be considered considered a good, you know, <laughs> performance given everything that's been yep. going on the 2020-2021 year so far. I mean, I was kind of bummed because I was actually looking I, – I liked the weekend, and I was kind mm-hmm. of looking forward to, you know, you know what they were going to do, and it just it, – it just it just seemed weird to me, and it was just like uh, it was just a met opinion about it. Like it's it's going to be a one that you're not going to remember down the road. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even the... know the weekend had this, that many hits. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like <laughs> I, I didn't know. <laughs> well, Burge, I'm in the same exact boat as you are, man, because I'm a big fan of the weekend, and I was like, all right, this is going to be a great halftime show. Generally speaking, I don't care about the halftime show. That's just time for me to get caught up on Twitter. <laughs> um, but I was looking forward to it, and, and I'll be—I will say this it was very underwhelming. Besides that last song, the last song where they had blinding lights on the field, that was kind of cool. But other than that, it was very underwhelming. And the fact that he spent seven million dollars of his own money to make that happen—I'm thinking, well, what the fuck was the point of, of that? Right. Like, like I don't know. Paid off my student loans, <laughs> <laughs> all of our student loans, and then some. <laughs> yeah, and then the last Boy. thing about. And the last thing about that is, uh, I think the, the also the commercials were very underwhelming as well. I think the only one that stood out for me was that Shaggy. It wasn't me. That was uh, good. That was that was the best one. Other than that, I mean, I think for the most part it was just uh, whatever. We had a lot of the big players sitting out this year, so I forget kind what company paid for this ad, but it was essentially uh, the Four Seasons landscaping. And, like, they were trolling, like, Rudy Giuliani and Trump and, like, the whole, like, election. And, like, not to go down, like, the political rabbit hole. I swear I'm going to get off the exit in, like, a mile or two. But that, to me, was the best troll job I've seen for a Super Bowl commercial ever. Next to, like, that quick Reddit commercial. But Four Seasons Landscaping wins. Yeah, the Reddit commercial was, like, five seconds. It was, like, a blurb. It, It kind of, like, you know... Talked about the whole uh, Reddit and GameStop uh, stock situation over the last couple of weeks. Um, that one was pretty interesting, but you know, all in all, mine was the Four Seasons. Anytime you control Rudy Giuliani and his like running box hair dye <laughs> that you get from Walmart, like I'll take it. I'm here for that all day and every day, uh, twice on Sunday. 
I also really like the Vince Lombardi one. I mean, that was on the other end of the spectrum. It was not funny or anything. It was just more inspirational. But I just, I love that whole thing, the music, um, just Lombardi himself and his words. I'm like, you know, I put this on Twitter. Just put that straight to my veins and I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cool, cool. All right, Pumas, you said you wanted to move on to some uh, look-ahead stuff? Yeah, I guess, like, we could call it, like, a look-ahead. I mean, Vegas, you know, if you look at the odds on, you know, the unofficial official sports book of the podcast or any other book like William Hill or, or FanDuel, whatever you want, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are getting the best odds as, the you know, the Super Bowl winner next year, followed by, I believe it was, like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you're looking at DraftKings, and then the Bills are, like, the top five. Um, I mean, they both have work to do. Like, the Buccaneers mm-hmm. have cap space they have to figure out. And then, I mean, I'm of the belief that the Kansas City Chiefs are clearly going to have to address the offensive line in the draft. Like, mm-hmm. what do you guys think? Like, are they going to yeah. have to – make moves in the offseason for free agent acquisition on the line? Are they going to build in the draft? Like, should they target a different position? Like, what do you guys think? Well, I th- I think that I'm going to roll with the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl next year. And, and I've said this all along. I think mm-hmm. they are one year ahead of schedule this year. Next year was going to be their big, deep playoff run. And looking at the division with no, you know, Drew Brees and, uh, you know, Atlanta essentially being Atlanta, um, the Panthers are going to be in a rebuilding mode. I, I think they're going to win that division. They're probably going to host a home playoff game, maybe even have them one seed and host an NFC Championship game. Um, so I think next year is going to be their big year. On top of that, I think they're trying their best to keep that team intact. Um, I believe they have $40 million in cap space, and I believe there's a restructuring of the contract coming for Brady here, so it's going to give him even more cap space. Looks like Mike Evans is going to take less money to stick yeah. around. They might keep the band back together. I mean, this might be the same team back next year with a whole offseason to get better in tune and then, you know, on the same page. So I think I'm going to take, like, the Buccaneers definitely out of the NFC. Not so sure about the AFC just yet because of a lot of things are going to fall into place, and we'll talk about Carson Wentz here soon. But I think Tampa out of the NFC and early pick right now, Patriots out of the AFC. <laughs> oh, God. God. Oh, oh, God. Now, you know what? Now I know you're trolling. Like, I'm not now. Trolling. All right, that's so. All like, that, that's all that is. That's all right, so, that's, that's all right, so if you're looking if you're looking at DraftKings Sportsbook, the Chiefs are getting plus 550. They have the best odds, followed by the Packers at plus 900, Buccaneers plus 900, Ravens at plus 1200, Buffalo Bills at plus 1200 as well too. Uh, the Rams are what's that? 6th. I mean, yeah, that's kind of a crapshoot. I I think the Buccaneers are probably going to definitely go back to the NFC Championship game. I'm I'm with you, Jay. I think they were mm-hmm. one year ahead of schedule. Yep. Um, the Chiefs, uh, they're going to have to figure out that offensive line. Um, I think they're, they're going to have to trade. I think they're going to have to get a little dynamic with the cap because they, everybody's getting paid next year. Um, yeah. I think you're going to have to do it in the draft. I don't think they're going to get dicey and start trading up to get people. Um, but that was a glaring hole in the Super Bowl last night that the offensive line, even with the mobile Mahomes, is, is a liability if it ain't there. Yeah, and in all seriousness, I, I do think that out of the AFC, it's a little too early to tell. Um, I don't have a good feel about anybody. Obviously, Chiefs are always going to be there. But then you've got the players such as the, you know, the Bills and the Ravens and the Titans. And I think the one team you got to keep an eye on is, is the Colts. I mean, they have essentially a, a great situation there with a great roster. And if they somehow land Carson Wentz, which we'll talk about here in a second, they could be a player out of the, out of the AFC as well. Yeah, for me, I mean, can't – 
call out the, uh, the the reigning Super Bowl champions at this point. Like they're definitely going to be in the NFC Championship game. They got a cupcake division, I think, next year. Um, you know, like like you outlined there. Um, I think it was and, Jay. And the key and the key small thing, not to cut you off there, is I realized they're a wild card team this year, meaning they don't have to go up against the the big dogs like the the Packers and the Seahawks oh, right. next year. Like right. their their schedule next year is cake. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have a cake schedule and. They have a cake division, um, you know, depending what, you know, the Saints do. Um, I think, still think they're going to be the best the best option, but they're in cap hell, so who knows what the hell they're going to do this offseason. Um, you know, I, I like the Rams, you know, with what they did getting Stafford mm-hmm. next year. That's going to be a very intriguing team to watch um, coming out of the, N- the, um, the NFC. And then the AFC, yeah. it's hard to discount the fact that Mahomes is going to be this bad again next year. They're going to be right back in the thick of it. Um, you know, I, I'm with you about about the Colts. You know, if they get the quarterback, um, you know, they're going to be they're going to make a deep playoff run. So, I it's going to be very interesting to see next year and how it, each of these teams manages the uh, and with with the reduced cap. I'm actually I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, the dominoes fall and all that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. All right, let's move on to Carson Wentz, our last topic of the day. And reports came out over the weekend via Adam Schefter and other um, industry um, reporters saying that Carson Wentz is on the trade block and the Philadelphia Eagles are shopping him hard. Um, we should expect a trade sometime this week, um, essentially moving him out of Philadelphia. It seems that Indianapolis and Chicago are the front runners, um, and it seems like Carolina might also be in the mix. Um, so with that being said, fellas, where do you think Carson Wentz will land, and will he make a direct and immediate impact um, that a la Tom Brady made for the Buccaneers this year? And I'm not saying they win the Super Bowl with whichever, whichever team he goes to, but will they have some sort of immediate success with uh, Carson Wentz coming back, coming into that team? All right, Burns, you bat lead off because I've been hitting lead off the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you you well, got lead off. You can't be the senior contributor if I'm leading off the whole time. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I know I'm gonna agree with you 100 percent on this. Uh, Puma, you've been saying it since, I don't know, since Wentz got benched. If he goes to the Colts, that's a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, with Puma's lover there, Frank Reich. We all know how much he loves Frank Reich. I do have it, a shrine. You do have now, a shrine set up there. Why do you love Frank Reich again so much? What was it? Is it is it the Bills thing or is it just something so, that... So not to go down this, this tangent. Well, no, because I really don't know why you love him so much. Like, so I, it, I think, I, I honestly think because of how, you know, he came about that job in Indianapolis. I mean, let's okay. let's be honest. Like, Josh McDaniels left Indy at, mm-hmm. at the altar. Like, mm-hmm. he left them high and dry, and Frank Reich was kind of thought as the afterthought. And then just how they were, he was able to handle the Andrew Luck, you know, retirement scenario when they were, they were a Super Bowl-caliber team. I honestly think that if Andrew Luck played that season, I, I think the Colts would have gone to the Super Bowl. He finally had that offensive line. He had that offensive-minded coach, uh, you know, in Frank Reich, you know, in his corner. And it, he just he, – he retired because of various injuries and, and stuff like that, and, and God bless him. But just how Frank Reich handled that, how he carries himself with the players, he understands it from being a former player – and, you know, I, I kind of have a respect for him from, you know, the Buffalo Bills era, like, you know, what I grew up in with, you know, in the 90s. So, mm. yeah, all those things being said, but mostly because of how he handled the Indianapolis Colts situation, especially especially with, let's call it for what it is, drunk Jim Ursay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. he's kind of like, he kind of has like that pastor quality to him and like the even keelness to the off-the-cuff, 
you know, recovering addict and God bless it. Like I'm not trying to put down Jim Ursay for having problems. The guy's trying to trying to work through his issues. He clearly has. He hasn't had anything come up like he did a few years ago on the news with getting pulled over with the DUI and a bunch of pills and all that crap. He's bettering himself. He seems to be in a great place, but it's still the Ursay family. Like you can go back in the annals of NFL history and just look at Jim Ursay and his dad, and it is a it's a goddamn clown show. So yeah, I I, I like the even killness of Frank Reich and all that. Okay, so <laughs> long way of saying I like his pain, but that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, if that's what you take away, no. fine. Okay. All right. Before I was so rudely interrupted here. To talk about uh, Brandon loving uh, Frank Reich's peen. Uh, the only place that Carson Wentz goes to where I think he has an absolute immediate impact is, is, is Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. That roster is ready to go. They're missing a quarterback. And it's kind of a similar situation for me that, that Tampa Bay was in um, You know, when Brady went down there. That team was very talented um, on both sides of the ball. And Brady, they were missing a efficient and a quarterback who didn't turn the ball over 30 times, you know, to, to hit success. So he goes to Chicago. I mean, Chicago, Chicago. I don't know how they'd make that work with their cap. I know that they're 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 up against it anyways um, there. And I just, you know, just something rubs me the wrong way about Chicago. I was a believer in them early in the year this year, and they just they just let me down. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm out on that team, uh, you know, going forward and you know i'm not ruling out the fact that chicago is going to bring trubisky back and then you know it'll just further justify my uh, my feelings about them hey trubisky could be a patriot then right <laughs> hey uh, yeah well anything's better for the patriots than what they have so we, we, yeah, we, we we've talked about that at nauseum you you say that now and then you have a trubisky three-pick game um yeah um <laughs> well well i think i think so I'm a little conflicted on this because all the reports seem to say that the Colts are are the lead dog in this, but it seems that Chris Ballard is not going to overpay for him, right? And it seems that the Eagles want a Matthew Stafford-esque package um, for Carson Wentz, which is absolutely ridiculous. So I don't think that, you know, the Colts are going to overpay for his services. I do believe the desperation that comes, you know, with the with the Chicago Bears situation and how the coaching staff might be on their their last straws here. I think they might overpay just to salvage the situation. So if I had to guess right now, I think maybe the Colts aren't going to overpay and maybe he might land in Chicago. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Indianapolis. I think. I think it's really Indianapolis or bust. I mean, you know, we can talk about three teams like who's the third team it's almost like uh you know wcw bash at the beach (laughs) you know wcw versus the nwo and the nwo with scott hall and and kevin nash were facing sting lex luger and macho man randy savage and everybody was like who's the third man who's the third man and hulk hogan comes out and he does the heel turn he becomes part of the nwo but long story short wow i think it's indianapolis or bust like you have the Chicago Bears. They are, you know, they are below the cap space. They, they're negative five hundred ten thousand dollars. They're going to have to make decisions on Mitchell Trubisky if they're going to franchise tag him or let him walk because they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Allen Robinson is going to want to get paid. I honestly would just franchise tag Allen Robinson and have him on the roster for one more year, um, and, and and figure out the quarterback situation in, in the draft. Um, I think they're going to have to restructure Khalil Mack's contract uh, because they have to free up cap space. But with all these reports coming out, 
it's almost like Philadelphia is boxing some themselves in a position where they are going to have to trade Carson Wentz. And I mm-hmm. think the team that waits the longest and has the market drop is going to be the guy that walks away. Because at some point, you know, you're going to have a meeting of the minds. And, Jay, we talked about this on our drive to New Jersey on Friday to put the Super Bowl bets in. Yeah, Somebody has to go. Somebody has to go. Like, you have the Jalen Hurts situation and you have Carson Wentz. And they keep saying they don't want to move off of Carson Wentz unless they have the right offer. But we all know that if the Eagles go 0-2 with Carson Wentz next year, everybody on WPI for a Philadelphia sports talk is going to be calling for Jalen Hurts to start. It's going to be a shitty situation the entire offseason. Jeff Lurie boxed himself into the situation with Howie Roseman, and they're going to have to figure out a way to get out of it. And I think Chris Ballard is going to play a cool hand. He's going to wait for the market to drop, and he'll just offer a first and maybe, maybe a second-round pick, if that. Because they have the cap space, but like all these other teams don't. So I, I think it's Indianapolis as a leader in the clubhouse. I think the media is just trying to drive up the market for the Eagles at this point. I think that the the, the asking price for the Eagles two first round picks for for Carson Wentz. Is that's not really that's not even on planet Earth. Like no, that's I, insane. Like I would I would equate Carson Wentz's value more so to the Rams trying to get out of Goff's contract. I mean, it's not there. Uh, Carson Wentz is a better quarterback in my opinion than. Than, uh, than Jared Goff, but like, like, am I gonna give up? Like, as a Patriots fan, would I give up fifteen for for Carson Wentz? No, I'm not doing that. Not with that contract, and you know, I, not with the the glaring needs that the Patriots have. Like, if we're talking like like thirty or thirty one in the first round, then then you know you can have a discussion about it. But like, as far as I'm concerned, like that that asking price is so asinine that they're not even gonna get close to that. And if they do. It's if they're gonna they're the team that gets him is gonna get laughed at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the the quarterback market's hot right now. People are paying out the ass, and, and what we saw happen between the Rams and the Detroit Lions, it might factor into this. And it looks like the car, the Eagles are trying to get that two first round, which is not gonna happen. But no, it's just crazy, man. It's just crazy what it takes nowadays to land a quarterback, and, and that's why it's so you know insane that you know and not to get back to the whole Patriots thing like I just don't understand how we're going to end up finding a quarterback with the how competitive this quarterback market is right now so like to build on that quarterback conversation right because there was Carson Wentz news today but there's also been underlying rubblings of Sam Darnold may or may not be available at the right price mm-hmm. you know who are you trading for? Are you guys going to trade for Carson Wentz? Who we, you know, he's got that albatross of a contract. He's got the injury history that everybody likes to cite. And I'll be the biggest defender of the injury history, kind of. Um, or you could go with Sam Darnold, who everyone may or may not be banking on the, he might be better uh, of a football player because he broke away from Adam Gase. Like, what, what premium are you ready to pay for? Well, I would love Sam Darnold on my team uh, because I, I am not a firm believer in Carson Wentz. I think the guy is always hurt, and my biggest thing in the NFL is, you know, availability is one of your abilities. Um, on top of that, you know, it seems like his contract is going to be a major issue to whichever team he goes to. So you got a young quarterback in Sam Darnold who obviously hasn't had two good years just yet, but there is some hope there. He has the, the raw talents to be a good NFL quarterback if he's in a good system. On top of that, you get him for two more years before you even got to look at his contract. So he's cheap, he's young, you take a flyer on him. I'm sure he's going to come at a much um, lower cost than Carson Wentz will. So I think I think Sam Darnold seems to be a better answer here. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I, I agree with, with you, Jay, pretty much 
on everything that you said there about Darnold. Look at that. Darnold wow. has been hurt really? too. Dar- Dar- Darnold has been hurt too a lot. So that's it's, something it's, that to take into consideration mono. too. I mean, I mean it's <laughs> mono and then what was it? The shoulder? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was a shoulder. Yeah, I think it was your. Yeah, idea. it was mono. It was the shoulder this year. Who the fuck gets yeah. mono? <laughs> I don't know. People that lick doorknobs. <laughs> you know, but, who, who knows? But the contract situation is the major point in that whole thing. Darnold mm-hmm. is on a rookie contract for another two years, and you know Carson Wentz's cap hit is over thirty for the you know in the next four years of his career. So. Yeah. You know, weigh those options. So it seems that we got, you know, Carson Wentz about to be moved. We've got people calling for Sam Darnold. What's your guys' take on Derek Carr? What do you think the compensation could be for him in return? And do you think John Gruden is that hell-bent on getting uh, getting him off the, the roster? Um, well, I don't think he's going to get a, uh, a Matthew Stafford-type return for no. Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think, maybe a first-runner and that's it? I think a first and maybe yeah. like a mid-round draft pick, if anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, reports came out today that they're not moving off of Carr. They they would be open to moving off of, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota, you know, via trade. Okay. Um, I I think if anybody is going to be trading for Derek Carr, it, it might be Washington. Mm-hmm. Only because the type of football that Derek Carr plays. And, you know, I'll be the first one to, that says he's checked down Charlie. But, like, we have seen him, and I have almost died of multiple coronaries this year, where he actually throws the football down the field. I think he would fit that, you know, Scott Turner offense with the young and up-and-coming Antonio Gibson in the backfield. And, you know, Scary Terry, a.k.a. the captain, uh, Terry McLaurin, I think that might be a match made in heaven for the offensive scheme. But... I don't think Washington's going to overpay, and they have the cap space. Derek Carr's on a very manageable contract at this point. I think his cap hit might only be like two point five million, if anything. But That's a I dead hit. The dead hit, but like I don't think he's. I don't think Washington is going to overpay. Like they're not going to part ways with the first round draft pick for that. Well, see, I think I think that given Marcus Mariota's situation, I think that the team is. More likely to move on from him. He doesn't have a dead cap hit. Uh, no. You know, if, if the if the Rams decide to cut him um, this year, so I think that's going to be a potential thing that teams are going to see. And uh, I'm not sure of the Raiders' cap situation, but you know, are they going to pay almost 11 million dollars for a backup quarterback? Probably not. So you, I think there's more of a chance that Mariota is going to get get released um, by the team, unless some team is going to pay a, a very minor minor return for him. Um, you know, restructure his contract and resign him to an extension. I think that's more of a possibility than Derek Carr getting moved. Right. Okay. And then uh, who else is out there? Who else is out there that's going to be a potential? Is that basically it? Right. I mean, because I mean, we if we're... Watson is being, uh, he's not right. going to do that in my opinion. But I don't think yes. he's going to be moved either. So I mean, that came out there. You got you got Kirk Cousins. Like, I mean, I haven't heard any mm-hmm. updates on that, but you've heard a few rumblings about Kirk Cousins moving. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, if that happens, you know, to San Francisco, like at least the last time I saw it, you know, then Jimmy G ends up on moving. And then if let's just say Carolina ends up with, you know, Carson Wentz, then Teddy Bridgewater ends up moving. So there could be a lot of dominoes to fall in the next month or so. Yeah. Well, I think Go ahead. Oh, I was sorry, Jay. I was just going to say, I think, you know, if we're talking about the land of the real, then I think it's really just Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're talking you know, bizarro world, then it, 
obviously Deshaun Watson's in that category. I don't really think I don't think they're going to move off of Jimmy G. He has a very manageable cap uh, situation on his contract. Um, it, I mean, if you're going to trade for Kirk Cousins, they're almost the same player, right? So like, you're gonna you're gonna take on more money at this point on the cap and give up a draft pick for for Kirk Cousins just because he was with you in Washington when you were the, I think, I think he was the offensive coordinator. Like mm-hmm. to me, like that doesn't make a whole lot of logical well, sense. From what I heard, and this is just pure speculation, apparently Kashan and sees that same exact scenario that you see as well. They're kind of the same quarterback. However, Kirk Cousins missed one game in the past three years when Fair Jimmy Garoppolo has missed 23 out of the 48 or whatever it was. That's one of the biggest things for Kyle Shanahan is the fact that he just can't trust that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out there on a daily basis um, when you know he hasn't started 47% of his games in the last three years. That might be the angle. Who knows, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> I just think it's going to be very interesting next month before free agency opens with, with the amount of people that are going to be moving, just uh, if not only for the cap situation for a lot of these teams. Yeah, yep, yep. Interesting, interesting times. The offseason is officially here. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. All right, you guys want to get to anything else before we plug it up? Before we plug it up, we have to give a special shout-out to uh, OG of the pod. Jay, you, you know this. He, 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 uh, he was one of the early guys to, to call the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl, and he doubled down on that in your mentions and the DMs this week. Uh, saying Brady over everything, Buccaneers by fourteen, yeah, something he said along Buccaneers those lines. By fourteen, and I almost spit my my coffee out when I read that. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> why don't you explain that to me? And he had yep. no simple answer. He had no X's and O's. He had no analysis. A simple gut feeling, Brady over everything, and that's the kind of that's the kind of conviction I like. So, with all that being said, Freddie Soliotis, aka Freddie, you're fired. AKA you get a special. You get a special shout out. You are now Freddie Nostradamus. You you called it. You're going to be our guru of the pod. If I have any questions with like betting perspectives, if I'm on the fence, I'm going to be reaching out to you in the hopes that I will be cashing some tickets on the DraftKings Sportsbook account. So uh, congratulations to you hitting this pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady over everybody. Direct quote in Jay Chima's mentions. Bravo, sir. Bra-fucking-o. Did he make any money off this? Did I? Uh, so I took, I went against the public this week. Um, I I took the Buccaneers plus the points. I got him at three. And then I took the under in this game because everybody was expecting the over. And I thought weather, no weather, 56 was a very high number. Um, so I took them. Uh, I took the under. I took Tampa Bay to be the last team to score. And I also put money down on a team being successful in converting a two-point conversion. Um, that didn't happen because there was no two-point conversion. But I hit on three out of four bets. I made about 140 bucks. But Jay Chima, take it to the cha-ching, bank. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Jay, tell us about your tickets that you cashed so this I week. So I had a bet that Gronkowski would score a touchdown. That $100 became 325 I also had a $10 bet that I put in like a month and a half ago saying the Buccaneers are going to win the Super Bowl. I like the odds. And I was like, got oh, 10 bucks, whatever. That paid out 150 ish. And then I had a couple of small bets. I think in total I hit $600 this weekend. I was pretty excited nice. about that. Nice. 
Yeah, walked, nice. walked away with what was it, five ninety seven, five ninety four. So round up six hundred dollars. I'm happy. I put a hundred and hundred and ten dollars in from the beginning, uh, from week one, and now I got six hundred dollars. So not bad at all. Bruh, freaking oh. There were some lean times though. Before you came on the pod, uh, Burge, there were some times where I was like, "Why the fuck am I doing this? Why am I driving out to New Jersey and like losing money? Like what's blowing your money?" You know? <laughs> now, but, now let's be honest, Jay. You say lean times, lean times for like you bet like a handful of times. You know what I mean? Like after the first week, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm burning a pile of cash. I'm not doing this. I'm over. And then like well, halfway through the-, the season, all right. Brandon, let's make a trip to New Jersey. I'm not putting anything uh, else I, in. I would have reacted the same way, and I would have done the same thing as you, Jay. I would have, well, I would have said, was, like, two weeks later, I would put my money on the line again. What was the weekend that, like, I, I lost my top? I know the Bengals beat somebody that I just didn't re- didn't see it coming. The and I'm Steelers. Like, the, Steelers. the Steelers. You, you, lo- you, you lost your shirt that weekend. You lost, like, like, 80 how, bucks. Like, how am I supposed to know this? <laughs> How the hell am I supposed to know the Bengals are going to beat the undefeated Steelers? Like, what the hell? I remember that. So yep. I, was, I was like, fuck this shit. And then, and then what I really capitalized on was the parlays in the, in the playoffs. That's when you get a good feel oh, yeah. for the teams. <laughs> you're hedging your bets. You have like eight <laughs> options to do, and you put money down on every scenario. I hey, hope you hit a parlay, out. Jay. It worked hey, out, wrong, baby. It what's worked wrong out. with hedging your bets? Come on. <laughs> hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with hedging your bets. But I learned, damn. I learned from the master, Burge himself, you know? Oh, oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> you, uh, Q, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't even remember his name, but the Joker from uh, The Dark Knight. Cue that. <laughs> here we here go. Here we go. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. All right, you guys want to get to anything else? Or are we good? I, I think I think we're good. Let's right, well, let's plug this shit up. Right. So this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found. Uh, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, pew, pew, pew. Um, definitely leave a five-star review, leave a comment, leave a rating, uh, like, subscribe, download. Social media-wise, we can be found on Facebook and Instagram under Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima's at Jay Chima. Burge is at Burge the Goalie. Uh, definitely now that we're getting into the hockey season, the heyday, now that football's over, I kind of look forward to him going toe-to-toe a little bit more with the folks at 98.5, mainly Adam Jones. Uh, The hockey hater. Definitely definitely a good follow. Uh, Burge, I expect to get, you know, make sure I get my popcorn ready every night while I refresh the feed to see what you say about uh, Jones and his, uh, his takes on hockey. Um, so definitely worth the follow. Hit us up on social media in the off season. We're gonna have some amazing content coming out to you guys, especially when we come up closer to draft season. And I don't know what the recording schedule is. I feel like we're taking a week off, and then we might pick up again if there's any like well, groundbreaking news. Well, let's shoot for next week because I think the Carson Wentz stuff is gonna drop. Um, because the week after that, I can't record. I've got like moving stuff going on. Um, so for now, let's kind of pencil in next week because I do think that Carson Wentz is going to happen. Yes, sir. And if yeah. not, then just uh, keep an eye on our social media feeds and we'll, uh, we'll update you guys. And, you know, I'm giving y'all fair warning. I don't want to hear people bitching Headphones about their off. eardrums eardrums being blown out, but Freddy Soliotis, you're fired! Uh,
Ah, on s'en finit la semaine.